You know, we're a blessed people. Here at Pathway, I can't speak for nowhere else. This is where I come all the time. And from my stage in life and age in life, we're a blessed church. We're a blessed church because the folks that's coming behind my generation are doing a good job of trying to keep the church going and keep the church alive and keeping busy and active in the work of the Lord. And I just praise God with all my heart for it. There's many churches that are not able to transfer, if that's the correct word that I want to use from generation to generation. They're able to deal with their generation but not able to pass on to the next generation their life, their principles, and their God. All of us my age and over, some below my age, you have an awesome responsibility to this church as long as you live to hand down to those behind you the good things God's done for you and let them know how good God is. How wonderful God is. Thank the Lord for service this morning. He really blessed us. I had so many people come at the church and tell me how blessed they were and how God ministered to them. And I'm so thankful for that. That's what it's about, isn't it? About us yielding ourselves by faith to God and letting God do His, His work. This morning we talked about a difficult subject, where's God when you need him, and uh, this evening we want to talk about fighting a good fight, because when you can't find God in your situation, then the fight's on, you're going to have to fight, because there are too many little devils trying to tell you all the reasons why you shouldn't should quit, should give up. I often wondered why he never told me what was going to happen when I quit. You know, during those times he was trying to pull me down, I often wondered why he didn't tell me how bad it was going to be down there. You know, you stop and think about it, if your situation, if you just give up on God and throw your hands up and said, so be it, I wonder how better off you were going to be. When I look at it, my situation is not going to be better. It's going to be worse. <laughs> so I need to keep in the fight. I've kept the faith, Paul said. I fought a good fight, Paul said. I finished the course, Paul said. And we are living in a time now that this is the battle cry for the church, in my opinion. We must keep the faith. We must fight a good fight. We must finish the course. Paul writes this letter in Timothy to Timothy from prison in Rome. Paul is virtually alone except for Luke. Luke is with him in his inn 
toward the end. He writes this letter to pass the torch to the next generation of church leaders. He writes this letter to give Timothy, he, he puts Timothy into the church pastoral business as a young man, and this is his final letter, at least as far as my study is concerned. This was the last letter Paul wrote, was the one he wrote to Timothy. And he wrote it to Timothy to encourage him in his generation and what to do in his generation. Paul will be executed in a few days under Emperor Nero in a few months from the time he wrote this letter. Paul's main message to this young man and to the church leaders was this, work hard. So God can say to you, well done. Be a good workman, one who does not need to be ashamed when God looks at his work. This is Paul's last letter to reveal his heart to Timothy, his priorities, his sound doctrine, his steadfast faith, his confident endurance, and his enduring love for the church. And Paul presents all of these things in First and Second Timothy to him as well as to us in our day and time. So Timothy, he says, in verse 1 of chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, I charge thee, therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, preach the word. You know, we're in a starvation time of the word being preached. We about preach everything but the word. If you pay close attention to the TV ministers, if you're not careful, you'll discover that many of them preach everything but the Word. Paul said, preach the Word, Timothy. Preach the Word. Be instant in season and out of season. In my old country boy way, there is no right or wrong time to do this. Just do it. That's what he's saying. In season, out of season. There's just no good time to do it. Just do it. Do it when you feel like it and do it when you don't feel like it. Preach it when it makes everybody happy and preach it when it don't make everybody happy. Just do it. That's what Paul is saying. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things. Endure affliction. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. 
I want you to notice Paul told Timothy, this is not going to be just a bed of roses you're involved in here. This is not going to be happy-go-lucky every day. There's going to be afflictions. There's going to be those times like I was talking about this morning when where is God? Job said, I can't find him. He said he'd gone north or gone south or gone east or gone west, but I didn't see him when he went. I don't know where he's at. For I am now ready to be offered, Paul said, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I read these scripture here. Most times I read them. Nowadays, I didn't early on in my young life. But nowadays, I read these scripture more slowly. I look at them longer than I used to. And I think about, have I kept the faith? Have I kept the faith? Paul knew he was going to die. He didn't know what day, but he knew it was sometime very near. His sentence had already been given. He was going to lose his head. And I thought when I read this scripture sometimes, Lord, would it be advantageous for me to know that I was going to die in 2016? Sometime in 2016. What advantage would it be to me if I knew that? See, if you're young, you're never thinking about that at all. You believe every day is going to be a better day. You believe you've got a world of life to live. But I can tell you, 74 will come real fast if you're not careful. He'll be up on you and you'll turn around and say, where'd it go? What happened? I missed something somewhere. I sat down sometime and tried to remember what it was like when Danny was running around my feet, getting in my way. And you know, it's hard sometimes for me to remember. Sometimes I only remember when he's up here telling the story and I'm trying to think, is he telling that right? <laughs> I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day and not to me only. Listen to this, Timothy, not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. That love his appearing. Paul knew he was going to die. And he was writing these letters to Timothy to give a last word to the church. And I don't know if I'll have a chance to give my last words so let these be my words. We're living in a time, church, when we have to fight for what's right. We have to stand for what's right. We have to get strong muscles spiritually to take it because it's getting worse and worse. 
I don't know what my daddy would think if he was to come alive right now and stand here and turn the TV on and listen to the politicians and those who want power in America. He'd probably think this is not the country I was born in. This is not where I was born. But it is where we are. And we're not going to hell in a handbasket yet. God's not through. God hasn't stopped. God's not going to quit working. God's just saying to us who are believers, stand up, be counted, be strong, fight for the belief you have. Henceforth there is laid up a crown of righteousness. We want to give our attention to finishing the race, church. And we want to encourage our children. This is what we want you to do. We want to encourage our young ones in church. This is what you, we want you to do. Paul, Paul compares this Christian race to a foot race. Striving for the prize. What is the prize? A crown of righteousness is the prize. A crown of righteousness. We saw this little video. Well, I think it was here at church I seen it. You know, it doesn't take long for it to leave me. About the, about the boy that was doing the thing and he got to heaven and, and uh, he saw Jesus and he was all excited about what Jesus was going to welcome him in all time and all of a sudden Jesus said, Do I know you. Remember that guy? His reaction, do I know you? Let me tell you, I have no desire to even come close to getting to heaven and thinking that's going to happen. While I'm, while I'm on this earth and in my right mind, I'm going to do my best to make sure that I am in a position for God's grace to keep me, for God's mercy to keep me, for God's goodness to stay strong upon me that I may be ready when he comes. First Paul said, I am now ready. But why was he ready? Because he had fought a good fight. He said, this is why I'm ready. I fought a good fight. This is the reason. He kept the faith. He finished the course. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12, it said, fight the good fight. Of faith, lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. Paul was saying, however honorable the contest of the games were deemed, the Christian contest was far more honorable than all of them put together. The Christian contest, the one you and I are in tonight, Every Christian is a soldier who's fighting a battle, a war. Sometimes I don't know if Christians understand they're in a battle. Sometimes I don't know if churches realize we're, we're in a spiritual war. And we have to fight smart. We have to fight with what we have to fight with and we have the best tools to fight with. God give us a book full of them that we can fight with that we can stand strong in. We must run with patience. He has fought against a threefold enemy, Paul 
said to Timothy, I have fought against a threefold enemy. And when I look at these three things that is scattered throughout First and Second Timothy, I also understand that we fight the same three things in our present time. Number one, the world. Paul said we fight the world. Said the world is full of envy and strife and hatred. Said we fight the world. Number two, he said we fight the flesh. Said the flesh wars against our spirit. It strives against us. It wrestles with us. And number three, he said we have the devil to contend with. We have to fight. We overcome by faith. Paul said I have kept the faith. John said 5, 4, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Any religion, you can make this easy, any religion that does not recognize Jesus as the Son of God and does not recognize the cross is a false religion. It's easy. But praise God, there is a limit to the duration of the fight. To the race we're running. The race is long, yes, sometimes. The, the race is hard. But it is a good race if we have God on our side, if we're dedicated to God. It's a good race. It ends with victory. There is no defeat. There is no failure. There's no shortcomings. If we stand with God, the race will finish in victory. The fight will take place not only without but within also. Not only will we fight the things that are outside of us, but we'll fight with our own struggles. Like I was talking about this morning. When you're in situations and you can't find God, you fight with yourself, you fight with your mind, you, you fight with your feelings. The fight will not only take place without, but within. Paul said there are fightings without and fears within and conflicts with himself. 2 Timothy 2, 3 said, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. That's probably a tough one. That we not entangle ourselves with the affairs of this life. I knew a man whom I would not call his name. Some of you would know him. Precious man to me. And he got saved under my ministry. But years down the road, my point of view was he had lost his way. And he later on confessed that he had. And I was privileged to spend the night in his house during this time that he had lost his way and I was praying for him because he meant so much to me as a friend. And I so wanted him to get back where he used to be with God. 
And I was not expecting what happened by spending the night with him. But as I went to bed that night in the back of the house, far corner bedroom, and the house was one of those houses where the kitchen and the living room was in the middle and the master bedroom was on one end, the other bedroom was on the other end. So I was completely at the other end of the house from where they were, him and his family. And as I went to bed, God put a burden on me that I couldn't shake. I rolled and tumbled and cried. Finally, I wound up in the floor, laying in the floor, and I cried all night long for this man. It wouldn't leave me. The burden for him wouldn't leave. And I was preaching close by in a revival. And I asked him if he would come one night to the revival, if he'd just come one night during that week revival. He was a busy person. He did. He told me he would, and he kept his word. But he didn't respond to the altar call. That burden like to never left me, but when it left me, I found it very hard to pray for him after that. I would try to pray for him. Now, I never did know what his, what his condition was soul-wise. Never. This is a fight. This is a fight we're in. This is warfare. We're not playing. This is not a fairy tale. This is not a story on TV. This is real life, church. The life you live every day for Jesus Christ is a real life. It's one you're going to make or you're going to get broke. It's one you're going to concede, con, concede at or you will lose at it. Succeed. That's what I'm supposed to say. Hopefully you correct that as I go along. There is a limit to the duration. The fight will take place, but there is an end to the fight. Romans 7 said, 23, But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. This is Paul talking, not L.V., this is Paul talking, this super man, this super rich man. Spiritual man, not rich man. Spiritual man. He might have been rich too, I don't know. I find in me, he said, this going on, that I would do, I can't do, that I don't want to do, I do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? In the same words, same sentence, Paul said, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We have a way out. 1 Corinthians 10, 4 said, And did all drink the same from the same spiritual drink? For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Of course, he's referring back to when the children of Israel was coming out of the land of Egypt and going to the promised land. We're not in this race alone. We have Jesus on our side. He said while they was on this journey, this journey they murmured and grumbled and complained, wanted to kill Moses many times over while they was on this journey, but he said they drank the very water of Jesus. While we're in our struggle, there are those fountains we can drink from. 
For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We have to keep that in mind. We're not fighting with each other. It seems like it sometimes. But that's not true. That's a spiritual thing going on. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual weakness in high places. Against spiritual weakness. 1 Corinthians 2 and 24, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. Run that ye may obtain. Philippians 3 and 14 said, I press toward the mark. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. My efforts is not useless. My efforts are not going without any reason. I'm going to receive a prize, a crown. There is no way for me to comprehend what he's talking about when I read about it. Only then when I compare it to the world and what it has to offer, I realize that it's far above any of those things he's talking about. I do understand that, but I don't have no way of comprehending what it's going to be like to walk into the presence of Jesus Christ. I know what it's like when I'm in the presence of the Holy Spirit. I know how awesome it feels sometimes. I know what all He can do, but I still do not know what it's going to be like when I walk into the presence of Jesus. But I know this much. That when I get there, it'll be worth everything I ever went through, every difficulty I ever had, every trial I ever had, every sickness I ever had, every difficult thing I went through, it will be worth it. I press toward the mark. Hebrews 12 and 1 said, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. I want to run, do you? I want to run with all my might the race that is set before me. Peter said, be sober. Peter 5, 1 Peter 5, 8 said, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He probably goes to church just like we do. But I can tell you, he's there before else I go. And his purpose is to seek whom he may devour. That's me and you along with everybody else. But we have weapons and armor to deal with him. Listen to 1 Samuel 17, 45. Then said David to the Philistines, Thou comest to me with sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. Hallelujah. It's not my muscles that's doing it. It's the power of the muscles of the Word of God that lives in me that's doing it. It's the faith that dwells in me that's doing it. 
Hebrews 4.12 said, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even dividing asunder of soul and spirit in the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. My, my, my. Hallelujah. Who's on our side? My goodness. Revelation said they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives until death. Can't help but to think about all those faith warriors in the book of... Well, it just left my mind. Hebrews. Thank you. Hebrews 11. Bob said all these kind of things happened, but said there were people in that group that refused. But by faith, they allowed themselves to be sawed asunder. And on and on I could go. For this race they're on, for this, this crown they're going to win, for this life that's in the future, the rewards for those who fight the good fight and keep the faith, they will win the race. Second Chronicles 16, 9, And the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect before him. Psalm said 34 and 7, The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth them. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Boy, you sure do deal with a lot of scripture, Brother Rigney. It's the foundation of everything. Can't get it lined up with that. You ain't going to have it lined. Psalms 91, 4, He shall cover thee with his feathers. And under his wings shalt thou trust his truth. Shalt thou trust his truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Luke said, but there shall not a hair of your head be lost. <laughs> I mean, look, I got no reason to be whiny around here. Even if I am sometimes, I got no reason for it. When God has everything fixed up for me, ready for me, I ask you today, is the race worth it? A thousand times, yes, it's worth it. Listen, in closing, sometimes that's dangerous to say that. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. As some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I mean, God is on your side. God is on your side. Listen to 2 Peter 3.10, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. 
seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of person ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? 2 Peter 3.11 Verse 12 said, Looking for the haste and for hastening and hastening unto the coming of the day of the Lord wherein the heavens being on fire shall be, fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, all this is going on. But right in the middle of all this going on, there's a group of people called God's children, called the saints. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. I fought a good fight. Come to the music, please. I fought a good fight. Paul said, Timothy, I fought a good fight. I want you to follow me. Roger Weber in Chicago, was in a Chicago marathon. And he noticed something on the ground as he was getting ready to run. And it was a runner's chip. Now, I don't know nothing about that. I've never run a marathon before, let alone walk it. But this is what he said. The device each runner puts on his, his or her shoe to record progress at various stations during the race. Apparently one poor runner would be running the next 26.2 miles on foot with nothing to show for it. Because the official rule was that you had to have this chip to verify that you run the 26.2 miles. There would be no record of his participation. Even if he had finished the race in record time, it would have no matter. The folks who organized the race set the rules, and no matter how well someone runs, if the officials say the runner doesn't qualify, that's the way it is. I'm running a race tonight. I got to qualify. I got to run with quality. I've got to follow the rules. I'm going to have one who says yes or no at the end of the race. I'm going to hear him say, well done, or depart from me. I never knew you. That's something to think about. In one sense, that's the way it is with us. We can run what appears to be a good race by doing things for others and obeying lots of rules, but when we arrive at the final checkpoint, heaven and have it made sure our name is recorded in the Lamb's book of life we've run in vain we must put our faith in Jesus our Savior we must confess and acknowledge that he is the Savior of the world he's the Savior of mankind 
We cannot believe in any God. We must believe that Jesus died and was crucified and rose the third day and today is sitting at the right hand of God as our intercessor or we fail the race. We have no credentials. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, 6. The question is then tonight in our race, are we trusting in Jesus? Are we trusting in Jesus? Some of you along with me here grew up in a time in the church when we were very legalistic in the sense of do's and don'ts. Now, I, don't know if it, I don't know if any of the do's and, do's and don'ts was anything wrong with them. Some of them weren't correct, wasn't biblical. I don't know that they hurt me. Don't think they did. They'd probably make me stronger today to fight the race. But the bottom line is I've got to put my trust in Jesus Christ. I can't put it in no preacher. I can't put it in no church, denomination. I've got to put my trust in Jesus Christ or I'll be running from, for nothing. Acts 4 and 12 said, Nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So my race is only qualified if I'm running in the name of Jesus. Are you running in Jesus' name tonight? Are you faithful in your running in the name of Jesus. Let us stand and whoever would come around the altar and let's have a season of prayer before we go tonight. You may have someone you want to pray about, pray for. You may have something you want to pray for. You can sit on the front pew or, or kneel at the altar or stand at the altar, but let's take just a moment. Let's just reaffirm our relationship with Jesus.